0: This is your story. Come on, listen. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call. you again and again cause all Just one move With my arms stretched wide love for me, oh his love.
1: Well, happy Resurrection Day. Can we stand and give a word of praise to the Lord, the resurrected, risen Lord? Can you shout some praise to Him? Is there anybody praising God in the house today? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, he's risen, he's ascended, he's coming again. Hallelujah. If you don't know him, today's the day you need to, because it's only those who know him he's coming back for. Praise God. We welcome you to our service today. I'm going to get out of the way here in a second, and we're just going to praise God in the house. Don't be a spectator today. Enter in, draw close to Jesus, and sing some praise. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we come in Jesus' name. We praise you for the privilege of celebrating the power of the resurrection right here, right now. We're thankful that 2,000 years ago, the shackles of death were cast aside and Jesus emerged in a glorified body that ascended, that moved through walls, that appeared and disappeared, and he ascended on high. We praise you, Father, for the reality of the resurrection power that can be in our lives as well. Meet with us today. Receive our praise. Let us be invigorated by the reality that this same Jesus who emerged from the dead is alive forevermore. He's our Savior and our God. We praise you for it.
2: Glory.
3: Be seated, praise God. Welcome, everybody. Um, Mark, Mark, or Andy, can I have one of y'all come down here, please? We want to welcome you for thank you for joining us. If you are a guest here, we're so so thankful to have you join us today on this Resurrection Sunday. Um, if you are a guest, go ahead and slip up your hand, and Mr. Andy will be coming around with a connection card if you just fill it out and you put it in one of the trays. That way, we can keep you connected and keep in touch with you. If we could give a big round of applause for our guests today, we want to thank you for being at Trinity. If you haven't already, I encourage you to pick up a bulletin on your way out, um, just so that you are connected and stay up to date with things that are are going on here at the church. I know I just had you sit down, but I'm going to ask you to stand back up with me. All right, we're going to enter back into a time of worship today. I just encourage you guys to open up your hearts and your minds to what God has in store for us today. And just remember the gift that we have received where Jesus was sent to suffer and to die for us so that we could be saved. We just thank you for this time that that we have to come and gather in your name. Lord, we we thank you for the worship team and for this place, God, that we have the ability to just come somewhere that we're able to praise your name. We're able to lift your, our voices to you, God. We're able to surrender our lives to you. We're able to build a, a better and stronger connection and relationship with you, with the people around us. and. God, I want to thank you for the whole meaning of today. The fact that you you sent your son to, to die, to be beaten and bruised for us. And we don't deserve it, but you always give us more and more with your endless love and mercy, God. So we thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right, you guys may have a seat. I'm not going to ask you to stand again. She's not going to like this, but if I may. When you guys came in today, if you notice, there's a really nice backdrop you can get your pictures in front of with your families. Uh, Miss Tammy Butterworth put that together, and so I think we should just give her a special round of applause for that. We, like I said, re- all right, we're good.
1: on the planet. Rome, conquering every foe, Persians, Greeks, Medes, Egyptians, and yes, Israel as well. Rome, whose armies are led by men called Centurions, commanders of over 100 fighting troops. Our story is of one such man in a place called Jerusalem. Listen and learn the events that changed his life forever. Perhaps it will change your life as well. Come and hear the story of the centurion. My name is Marcus Aretus, centurion of the Roman God. And my story is true and yet I wish that it were not. Decisions that I made were made for me. But the deeds which I did in my story, I did out of allegiance to Rome, my king, my Caesar, my master. But listen this day, I pray. This weekend of events changed my life forever. As a Roman legionnaire, we went where we were commanded to go. There are places that we would rather go. As a centurion, a leader of fighting men, we wanted to go where there was a fight, where there was an enemy to crush. Because everywhere we went as Romans, people tried to resist, but they failed. They were crushed under the boot of my soldiers. So I was not pleased when I was sent to a forsaken outpost called Palestine. They'd already been beaten many times. These Jews of Israel descent have been crushed by every force on the planet. And Rome was just the last one. No army, no resistance, so what am I doing here? I was sent to maintain Pax Romana, the Roman peace, and I would do my duty. The story that I bring to you this day is of just one week in the events of my life. Hear me well. I am not proud of what I did. Looking back, I regret many of my actions, most of my actions. But they say that confession is good for the soul. And so I share with you this day. I was summoned to the presence of Pilate, who was the legal Roman ruler of the region. I was summoned to go to meet with him. And as was customary as I entered the presence of the leader of Rome in the local area, I would give the salute. My heart is in the hands of my Lord. My heart belongs to the service of Rome. He said, Marcus, yes, sir. I want you to keep a sharp lookout. Why? They have no army, they have no weapons. They, they're just like a bunch of sheep roaming around. He says, Yes, but this is a high and holy day to the Jews. Well, this is no great surprise. They seem to have a feast or a festival about every other week. They gather at times and places and they feast and they bring sacrifices to their God. I I did not reverence their God. I were a Roman and I have many, many gods. My gods are just like me. Warriors, fighters, hedonistic, sensual. You see, our gods shape us into who we are. He said, on this day, this is their Passover. This is one of their great celebration feasts commemorating a time when they were captives and their God sent a deliverer for them. They might try to mount something on this holiday, this holy day for the Jews. Be watching. When you see large crowds gather, I am told that the population of Jerusalem will quintuple over the next few days. Keep a watch. Be alert. Things could happen at any time. There are rumors that one who is a leader among them is coming into town. Be watchful. Be ready for a fight. Yes, my Lord, I'm ready for a fight. So I went over to the Antonia Fortress. You see, the Jews had this huge temple, and in order to keep watch over it, Rome built a fortress on the corner bank of one of the parapets of that, that temple. Antonia Fortress... From the vantage points there we could overlook everything that was happening on the Temple Mount and we could see a panoramic view of Jerusalem and all the roads leading into it as well. So I gathered my men, I told them what our duty was to watch for crowds and to watch for any sign of uprising. And there we stood and waited and watched because Rome had told us to do so. One particular day, I noticed crowds gathering along a circuitous path leading down from the Mount of Olives across the way, across the valley. And crowds began to assemble. I called my men, alerted them. Hey, something is up. Look, crowds are gathering. They're they're thronging the area. It's like a sea of people along this road. They said, rumor has it that their leader is coming, and they've come out to greet him. Perhaps this is the fight we were looking for. Have your armaments ready, swords, spears, shields, daggers, ready to go into the crowd and disperse it. So we watched. A strange thing began to happen. This crowd was not a warlike crowd. They were as if welcoming a conquering hero. I thought maybe this is the one. Their military leader that they think is going to set them free from Rome is coming into town. And they're giving him a victory march on the way in. They were waving palm branches. It was as if a sea of green was waving up and down the Mount of Olives. Be ready, men. We may have to go out and... uh, In the midst of that path down the hillside emerged one man on a donkey. They were shouting, Hosanna. In their Hebrew tongue, it means, save us. Save us, Lord. (laughs) This one man had no weapons, no armor, no huge following of an army. He was no threat to us. So we merely watched. As they called out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Some shouted, King of the Jews! I said, whoa, a king? (laughs) Unlike any king I had ever seen. So we relaxed a little bit. As he came down the path, got off from the donkey, and made his way up to the Temple Mount, I thought he has come to their high and holy day to worship. No, it took on a strange turn. This, this meek and lowly man, came in and began to shout angry words at people who had gathered there for merchandising. He began to kick over the tables and run out the money changers and those who were selling animals for their sacrifices. He fashioned a whip out of cords and lashed at them and said, this is my father's house. It's to be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. Uh, I saw what was happening. As he was kicking over tables, the leaders of the Jewish religious sect exited had made their way to Pilate's Court. I knew I would be summoned shortly to take care of this, this rabble-rouser. And certainly message came, Marcus Aridus yes, you are to report immediately to Pontius Pilate's Court. Yes, Pilate, what would you have me to do? My heart is in your hand he says they are concerned over this this one called Jesus who claims to be the king of the Jewish people but there is no king here but Herod and Rome is really in charge keep an eye and watch it watch what's happening what should I do other than watch he said keep ready something could happen this very night i went back to antonio fortress i told my men you can watch but be alert you can relax but keep your eyes on the happenings but nothing else was going on they were preparing for their feast their passover meal as it were and then i received another summons Once again, I crossed the courtyard and went up to the place of the palace, the place of Pilate's court. My heart is in your hands, Lord. What would you have me do? Those same religious leaders were there with smirks upon their face. They had talked him into something. He said that This Jesus has made claims that he is king of Jews and they say that it is blasphemy that he considers himself to be one of their gods. To me as a Roman, what's one more god in the court? (laughs) But it meant something to them. They believed that there was but one god, theirs. What am I to do, Pilate? Go with them. To Go to a garden, and there I want you to arrest this one, Jesus. Bring him, put him in prison, hold him, and we will have a trial. Well, how will I know him? I only have seen him from a great distance. And Pilate pointed out someone. He says, this one was one of his followers, and he has come to turn him in and to make claims that he blasphemed the name of their God. I'll tell you who I would like to arrest, that one. I have no use for traitors, those who get close to you and then stab you in the back. But I have my orders. I had my men and servants to carry torches as I followed these religious leaders and this one called Judas to point out Jesus to us in the garden. We made our way up the side of the hill, that very same Mount of Olives, and entered into a garden. And then this Judas went up to the one they called Jesus, embraced him, And that was to be our signal. And as he embraced him, one of Jesus' followers reached out with a sword. He drew his sword and he severed off the ear of one of my servants. I gave the command. My men all drew their swords. We're ready for the fight that we had been longing for. But it was not to be. You may not believe what I am about to share with you. But this Jesus told the man to put his sword away. He reached down into the ground and picked up the severed ear and placed it upon the side of the head of my servant. And as he removed his hand, the ear was healed and restored. You say, Marcus, why didn't you stop right then and realize you were dealing with someone not just an ordinary man? I I understood that, but I have my orders, the things that I must do for Rome. I arrested him, and as I put the ropes around his hands and tied them behind his back, and I put a rope around his neck to lead him from the place, every one of his followers scattered like scared dogs. There was no fight in them either i allowed my men to make sport with this one jesus you see his hands tied behind him a rope to lead him around his neck and they would tug at him and make him fall face first into the stones of the ground up the steps to pilate's house again and again By the time we reached Pilate's court, he was bloodied and bruised and unrecognizable. I was apprised by the religious leaders that we were not to take him just to Pilate because he had committed sins against the people of Israel. We were to take him to Caiaphas, the high priest. here we are armed guards guarding someone who's tied like a stuffed pig and all of his followers are gone it's late it's night there's no fight coming but we have our orders we stood there as this Caiaphas dressed regally questioned Jesus who responded nothing to him until the high priest said something and, and a response came from this Jesus and it had so affected the high priest that he tore his regal robes and said take him to Herod away with him we pulled him with the rope and crashed his face until his nose was broken and his face was bloodied. We took him to Herod, who had more questions. He wanted this Jesus who allegedly could heal, and I knew that he could, to do some miracle, some some thing that would astound and amaze. But Jesus just stood and said, not a word. He said, take him to Pilate. And so we took him to Pilate's court and Pilate questioned him a while and he said "I, uh, I find no fault in this one. It's against the Jewish laws, it's not against Rome's rule. But Caiaphas and the others were there, if you do not do something you are no friend of Rome Pontius Pilate. Then Pilate had an idea. He had me bring Jesus, bloodied, bruised, and tied up. I stood behind Pilate as Pilate went out onto the portico and he addressed a crowd. They were all friends of this Caiaphas and others. Pilate said, it is at this time of your feast days, that Rome shows its benevolence by each time, each year, we release to you one of your own as a gesture of goodwill. He said, who would you have me release to you this year? Pilate was expecting that they would, but no. The crowd had been put up to it. They said, release to us, Barabbas. Barabbas I personally had arrested him a murderer a thief an insurrectionist a rebel he was due to die the next day they called for him to be released and Pilate was obligated by his word but then Pilate said but but what would you have me do with this Jesus who is called Messiah your king Pilate was not prepared, nor was I, for what we heard. Crucify him! Crucify him, first one, then another. Crucify him, nail him to a cross. Let him die! Pilate said, I'm not guilty of this blood. And he washed his hands as if by doing so he could absolve his guilt. The washing of water will not take away the stain of guilt. He said, Marcus, beat him and prepare him for execution on the morrow. Yes, my Lord. Again, I am not proud of what I did, my men and I. But under orders, we did what we were told to do. I will speak of this later. We took him from Pilate's court. We made sport of him, my men and I. We we mocked him. We planted a crown of thorns, driving them into his head. He was unrecognizable. We beat him about the head driving those thorns into his brow. The pain had to be excruciating. Then I took him to the pillory post. In Rome we like to soften up those that we crucify. Crucifixion is a, well we'll explain that in a moment. But sometimes people are so afraid of being nailed to a cross that they will fight back. If they've never fought before, they will fight back. So we soften them up before we nail them to a tree. We put him on a post, tied his hands in front of him so that he was wrapped around the post with his back laid bare. And I gave the whip to one of my men trained in the use thereof. Oh, not just any whip. Not a whip of cords. A whip of leather. And at the ends of each strand, each lash, were bits of metal and hooks and glass. So that as the whip went in and was pulled back, ribbons of flesh were torn by the end of the whipping many have had all their ribs exposed in the back and he was to get 39 lashes my man was whipping him beating him and I went around to the face of this one who was tied to the pole. Because then was when we had sport with those that we were executing. They would, if they had been docile before, now they are screaming to die. They want out of their pain and out of their agony. And I would see them beg and cry and... and... But not this one shook me to my very soul. As I looked into his eyes and I did not see hatred. I did not see rage. He did not ask for mercy. He did not say let me die now. He said not a word but he looked at me with eyes. He pitied He had compassion on me. I I, I told the, the man with the whip, hit him harder. And he did, but he offered no cry for mercy. Who is this one? I thought, how can he endure this kind of suffering? not lash out and not break. I have broken thousands of men with the whip but not this one. I am not proud but I must tell you what we did. We took him from there and we found an old purple rag and threw it on his bloodied back made sport of him he was blinded by the blood he couldn't see and we beat him with our hands and our fists and the edges of our sword so that the, the thorns were driven into his brow where are we? who's hitting you? oh worship the king of the Jews we did this all night Because in the morning, this weak, emaciated, bloodied mess called Jesus would be led to his execution. We pulled him from the cell and we fitted him with a 200 pound cross to bear. Not smooth. But Gasht will explain in a moment. And compelled him to go through the streets of Jerusalem to the mocking of some and the weeping of others to go outside the city walls to a place that looks like a skull in the side of the face of a hill called Golgotha, place of the skull to be executed there, two others with him, two thieves, murderers, robbers, scum of the earth. It was just another day in my life as a centurion. As he made his way in his weakened condition, he fell numerous times and I beat him with a whip and commanded him to get up. Finally, he could get up no more we took a man from the crowd and made him carry the cross the rest of the way outside the city we laid the cross down not only his but the other two now here I had my men ready because this is the place what because of the humiliation and the pain and the death and the shame of the cross people would fight back the thieves did but to no avail and as we readied to nail this jesus to the cross ready for him to shy away and try to run and flee this jesus laid himself down as if it was his plan all along He laid there with his arms extended so i stepped upon his wrist to spread the bones that the spike might go through his hand and the other hand and crossed his feet and drove a spike through there and though he grimaced he did not cry out for mercy then we lifted the cross up and dropped it in the hole prepared for it and the tearing that goes on in crucifixion of the hands and the feet it's brutal but that is not the worst of it all his back in ribbons of flesh is scored against the back of the cross when he tries to push on his feet to raise his diaphragm so he can breathe you see crucifixion does not kill you Through loss of blood, you drown and are suffocated because you cannot breathe. Every word that he would speak was at pain upon his feet, rising up so he could catch enough air to breathe out a word. He was not silent on the cross. He spoke to his mother, to one of his disciples, to others. This Jesus hung between heaven and earth. I listened as the thieves bantered with him and and finally one of them begged for mercy himself. I cannot comprehend. And I will never forget. There he hung. Mocked. Shamed. Ridiculed. And above his head. Pilate had sent word for me to nail. A message there king of the Jews in Hebrew in Greek and in Roman Latin Caiaphas complained and said "Uh, it should say he said he was king of the Jews Pilate said what I've written I've written let everyone know if you claim to be a king and you do not bow your knee to Rome. This is your future, O King." He cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What? What kind of man? What kind of man can do this? Then finally, Cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished, he cried. It dropped. He was dead, but it had been such a short time. Usually they lingered for hours, if not even a full day. And the corpse would be left upon the cross to rot, so that everyone who saw said, "That's what happens if you cross Rome. That's what occurs. If you rebel against Rome, you will rot, you will die in shame." I had to affirm that he was dead. I took a spear and thrust it into his side. His body had already began to separate. I affirmed and sent message to Pilate. The one called Jesus is dead. What should I do now? I received word back. It came from two men who walked up to me and handed me a letter from from Pontius Pilate. And said, these two men have requested the privilege of taking the dead body of Jesus. The one, his name is Joseph. The other, Nicodemus. Joseph has a a garden, a large garden, just steps away from the place of the skull. And he is offered to take the dead body of Jesus and bury him there. Don't let the body rot on the cross. Take it down. Let them take the body of Jesus. Such a strange request. I'd never had a request like that before. Everyone wanted to distance themselves to anyone who had been crucified. Maybe they would be next. got a scaffolding ladder and pried the nails out and one hand dropped and then the other we pried the nails from his feet and falling down into the arms of Joseph was the dead lifeless brutalized bloody body of Jesus I watched as they went the short distance through some trees into his garden area where i was told he had a tomb prepared for a family burial plot i waited there f- for the thieves to die but they took a little longer I received notice to appear once again before pilot i commissioned one of my underlings to oversee the final death of the two thieves. And I went to Pilate's court once again. What would you have me do, Pilate? And there again were those swarthy religious leaders of the Jews. These men say that the followers of Jesus might come and steal his body and claim that he rose from the dead. And Pilate laughed at that thought. What am I to do, your majesty? He said, go seal it with the seal of Rome of the centurion and then guard it, guard a tomb, For what purpose that no one can steal his body and claim that he's alive? I gathered my men. We formed different groups to watch at different segments. I went to the tomb. I had one of my men take the wax and light a candle and put it upon the edge of the stone where the stone met the tomb and I put my signet seal of Roman centurion there that anyone who would dare break that seal would suffer the consequences of going against Rome itself. No one would be foolish enough to go against Rome. Or so I thought. The first night there was no activity back and forth at different shifts and stages and watches second morning came and went without incident I thought we are going to be free of this threat but my friends I must tell you this next part of my story is the most unbelievable of all. And yet I affirm to you its truth. As the morning began to bro- break that third morning, third Jewish day, I heard screams. Not, not of, of children or women, they were the screams of grown men. I said, What, what can be happening? Maybe my men have engaged some of his followers and and they are screaming for mercy, but no. As I came around the bend and approached the tomb, I saw it was not others, it was my men, my hardened soldiers, my Roman legionnaires with armor and swords and shields and spears that were on the faces of the ground, crying and screaming. And I said, what is happening? to cause this kind of fear in the hearts of my fighting men. And then I saw. I saw the one that I had nailed to a cross. I saw the one that I had given a spear to the side, the one I had whipped, the one I had marked the one I had rejected, the one I had smitten, and I saw him without blood on him, without a mark upon him as he walked out of that tomb that I had sealed. The stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away, and Jesus, Jesus was alive. My friends, at that moment, something happened within me. I had been at the cross. I had affirmed him dead. At the moment that he died, I even cried. Surely he must have been the son of God, but I did not fully realize until I saw him walk from a grave alive that I needed to bow my life before this Jesus. If he can conquer death, he can conquer my heart. And I bowed and gave my heart to a new king. All hail King Jesus! My friends, the things that I've told that are shameful to me were all prophesied by the ancients thousands of years before I was used to impale this man to a cross. It was prophesied that he would be beaten beyond recognition. It was prophesied in the holy book that he would have stripes laid across his back for the healing of the nations and for each one. It was prophesied he would be silent before his captors. It was prophesied that he would stand as one who would forgive the unforgivable. that day I bowed my knee to a new king. I laid down my sword and picked up his cross. But what of you? Have I told this story for just mere history lesson? No. This Jesus who came to die came to die for your sins, as well as those of Marcus Aretus, that God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I trust that perhaps this day some of you if not many of you have already given your heart to this new King Jesus. Could I see your hands please? You've asked him to be your savior. You've asked him to be your lord. I affirm he went through all of this because of his great love for you. but not for you only. If you could not lift your hand today, you do not have him as your Lord and Savior. You've not asked him to come into your life and forgive your sin. And my friends, he's not your king yet, is he? But he's willing this very day to be your king as well. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved. And you say, but what then? Then you have to follow Him. You have to follow Him. It's not just a decision and then do whatever you desire to do, there must be a change in allegiance when you have a new king and his name is Jesus. This day, my story is completed. The prophecies were fulfilled. Jesus came that first time to die for your sins and mine and he did die. I affirmed it, and he did rise. I saw it. He ascended to heaven, and this same Jesus who ascended up into heaven is coming again in clouds of glory for those who have bowed their knee to King Jesus. Do you know him as your Savior? Do you know him as your King? Have you taken up your cross to follow him? I ask as musicians come to bring a song of invitation. I ask my deacons to come and pastors to come to be a part of our prayer line. This Jesus was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. And by his stripes, there's healing. So whatever your situation is today, if you've never crowned him king of your life, you can do so today. Come and allow the brethren. Brethren, step up to the altar. Face the congregation, please. Come to one of these for prayer today. Receive Jesus while there's time. He conquered death. (laughs) He ultimately conquered Rome too. If there's sickness in your body, you may know him as your king, but you need to know him as your healer today too. Come, let the brethren pray with you. And for others of us, some just need to come and praise the King who set you free from your sin. You don't need prayer. You just kind of come for praise because Jesus is alive. Father, meet with your people today, for those who do not know you as their Savior, that are not following you in their daily lives, let this be the day and let this be the moment, let this be the time where they bow their knee to a new king and follow your word with their lives. Father, I pray for those that are sick, there might be healing today. For those that are weak, there might be empowerment by the Holy Spirit today. For those who know you as their king, let praise erupt in this place to your name and your glory, mighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar... Is open because the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Stand and